Welcome to I Love That Record, a podcast featuring my friend John Beckman and myself, Eric Jorgensen. Each episode, one of us picks an album that we love, and we talk about it. This is episode five. It's a very special episode, one of the most special episodes we could possibly imagine, because it's not just myself, Eric Jorgensen, and John Beckman. Hi, John, by the way. Hey. We also have our friend, David Bartels, joining us, direct from an undisclosed location, How's it going, Bart? Hey, I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And you are here for a very specific reason. And that reason is you have chosen tonight's album. And uh, could you tell us, please, what album it is that you've chosen? Uh, yeah, well, first of all, I just want to say, I think, um, I don't know if I earned my way on by uh, guessing what your guys' first two albums are going to be. Um, but if that's what it takes, I'll just keep guessing away so I can come back at another time. That's definitely um, what it was. Definitely <laughs> what it was. I like Perfect. That uh, but no, I have chosen Newfound Glory's album Sticks and Stones. Oh, good choice. That's a good choice. Thank you. A roar from the crowd. Good, good job. Good pick. I can stay on. Oh, yeah. I you, think that you, you can, can probably stay, stay on. on. This was a good choice. Uh, for, released in 2002. On MCA Records, Drive Through, I think, is a side label, but this was a, a major label record for Newfound Glory. Pop Punk uh, Elder Statesman, I guess you'd say. Pop Punk Elder Statesman, maybe. They've been around for a long time now. Uh, but this album was probably them at their peak of popularity, I think. So I'm kind of curious, Bart, why this album? Well, that's a great question, Eric. Um, I guess I should expect that one. Now, I think I would say. This album just, you know, kind of caught me at the right time. Um, I was in high school, uh, probably must have been sophomore year. It was 2002. And I don't know. I remember. Um, I actually remember when I bought the album, I was um, staying at. <clears throat> uh, we had gone down to my grandparents place and they lived in a like townhome association and there was a mall literally across the street and um so i went to this place fye i don't oh, know yeah. if you've heard of that uh kind of <laughs> like a knockoff FYE. sam yeah <laughs> sam goody of sorts and uh you know for some reason i had decided ahead of time that i was gonna get either newfound glory sticks and stones or um saves the day uh stay what you are Ooh, also a great record which may or may not be chosen at some point in the future of the <laughs> podcast but you know continue yeah i, I didn't realize so. that 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 album would, would have been out at the same time 2001 i, I more... think wow. well it must have been because i was uh that was those were my options but and, and your memory does oh, not fail i'm thinking i'm thinking of uh never mind don't mind me i'm thinking of say anything uh, don't mind me that was a few years later carry on so, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, there were these two albums and I mean, I had not, my musical background was very limited to that point, just kind of like radio hits, um, a lot of Creed and Smash Mouth. And so I uh, wanted to branch off, I guess you could say. And so for some reason I ended up choosing this Newfound Glory album and it just kind of like shaped the rest of my um, music listening experience and continues up until 
the current day. Uh, how had you heard of Newfound Glory? Like, how did you, and I guess Saves the Day, if you want to kind of throw that in there too, but you had this choice between the two. Where did that come from? Um, I must have read about it online. I spent a lot of time on the website allmusic.com. Oh, yeah. Uh, still working today. But uh, yeah, I, I think it was just uh, kind of looking at the current releases or something like that. And I think actually the tipping point was I had seen um, Newf- a Newfound Glory video on MTV at my cousin's house while I was down in Kansas. And I just thought, oh, that looks kind of cool. I want to check that out. What video was that? Do you remember? It was um, My Friends Over You, which we'll most likely talk about later. Oh, most likely. And I actually have a brief Newfound Glory story myself. Um, I had actually gotten to them a little bit before this album. Uh, it was the self-titled album that I had a very similar experience with, which was very um, influential in my life. I was dating kind of for the first time, and I think that the two things went hand in hand because the songs that Newfound Glory writes are very uh, oriented towards like high school love and everything. So I was really in a self-titled album, and the, the way I had found them was that I was going to see Less Than Jake at the Quest, and Newfound Glory was opening for them. So I thought, oh, I better check out this Newfound Glory band before this show. And so I listened to some tracks off of that self-titled album, and it blew my mind. I thought, this is a band with incredible energy and feeling and just exactly the type of music that I loved. So um, I bought that album and got really into them, and then, and then this one came out. And I actually also remember when I bought it. Uh, I don't remember where. I, actually, I think it was Best Buy, probably, now that I think about it. But I specifically remember buying it and bringing it to work with me. I worked at a music store in Wiper Lake. And I remember that one of the vocal teachers at, at the music store was very offended by the cover of the album, <laughs> which includes these... I guess preteens, a boy and a girl kind of wrestling around and then the inside of the album or the back of it has them making out. <laughs> yeah. She was I so offended by reaction. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she thought it was awful. I thought you were going to say she was offended by his nasally voice. <laughs> I, I thought he was going there too. No, no, that would make sense actually. But no, she was really offended by the, the preteens making out. What They look like they're the same age. I, I don't know. I don't think there were legal implications. Just some good, clean yeah. fun, kids being kids. Yep. Uh, but that that is what I remember about the album. So John, what about you and Newfound Glory? I actually confess, I don't know what your background is with them. Uh, my experience actually sounds a lot like Bart's. Um, my exposure before listening to this album and getting into to Newfound Glory, my main exposure to this type of music was whatever was at the time on MTV or on the radio. Um, and I think the closest thing was probably Simple Plan that I kind of got into. I was like, yeah, I kind of like this type of music. Like, what what are some other bands that are similar? So I think I just ended up searching or... Um, cause I can't remember ever listening to them on the radio or, or whatever. So I think I must have just done some digging and found bands that were similar to, to simple plan and kind of stumbled upon this. And I actually, I think it was best Buy that I bought this album, um, uh, where I bought this album and, um, yeah, it was sort of my gateway into this whole type of music. So yeah, it really shaped my, um, like you guys kind of shaped my, um, my musical tastes. I didn't realize year. that you both had the same gateway to this. I had no idea it was the yeah. same album. That's crazy. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, so I'll, I'll always have a soft spot in my heart, my heart for uh, for Newfound Glory, but uh, this album especially. So, for people who maybe haven't heard Newfound Glory, Bart, how would you describe their sound? I I mean, it's just straight up pop punk. I think is the best way to put it. Um, you use the word energy, which I think is a, a big part of it. Um, you know, I think they <clears throat> they have like a slight hardcore influence. Um, 
which maybe comes out more in some of their later albums, but it's kind of, you know, the the driving poppy anthem. And then once in a while, they'll throw in like a little sort of breakdown at the bridge. Uh, but for the most part, it's just kind of like feel good summer tunes. That's a good way to put it. Definitely feel good summer tunes. And I think that they inspired bands like All Time Low, um, which came a lot later, but definitely have a lot of similarity in terms of the sound. And sadly, this music is not really in vogue anymore or currently. Maybe it'll come back someday, but it was really big kind of right around this period and a little bit after. And I think that Newfound Glory was a driving component uh, to that popularity because they were big. I think they sold like 500,000 copies of this album or maybe the self-titled one. Ah, it looks like this one went gold. So yeah, it sold over 500,000 copies. So it's big, I, uh, relatively speaking. It's funny you mentioned All Time Low, too, because, I mean, they're, they're, the band name All Time Low was inspired <laughs> by true. a song on this album. There's also uh, a band called The Story So Far, which does similar type of music, which is the name of another track on this album. So clearly it's kind of one of those um, in, you know, influences on a lot of different, uh, well, on a lot of bands in the genre. Well, and it, it is on, I just saw this BuzzFeed article as part of doing research for this podcast, the 50 pop punk albums to listen to before you die. And this one is on it, I believe. So, so if people to know. are planning on dying, uh, they should listen to this album as one of those uh, albums. <laughs> That's the first thing I would do if I was knew I was dying. I'd go right to like that list and just listen to the <laughs> entire. <laughs> That'd be a good idea for sure. So I don't there, think Ben Rector mentioned that in his, in his song, though. <laughs> if the world was going to end, I don't think he mentioned listening to Von Glory. So he, he kind of went down a different path there. Which is, is really too bad. It's, it's too bad. <laughs> so I'm glad you mentioned All Time Low, though. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, I, no, I'm go ahead. I'm glad you mentioned All Time Low because I've always, I've always wondered if, um, if their band name had any, um, any link to New Fun Glory. But I guess you answered that for me, I guess. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's nice. We're full of answers here, John. <laughs> and lots of questions, of course, but yeah, also answers. So what else could we say about this musically? Like, is there kind of a, a general theme running through it? I mean, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of their songs tend to be about love and romance, as are many in the genre. But this album, actually, they kind of start branching out a little bit from some of those themes. I don't know if, Bart, you have any thoughts on that, or you, John, too? No, I think you're right. I mean, the main um, focus lyrically is still like, you know, relationships and um, kind of how they how they're often on the rocks. And so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, that's um, I think why it was so relatable to um, a lot of us in high school, because, you know, you're just kind of figuring out how how to have a, any sort of relationship with girls. But um in general, you're right. And then I think they'd branch out a little bit into, um, well, we may get to it later, but there's a song about uh, someone passing away, someone special in your life. Uh, and I don't know if there's anything else they really get into other. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty uh, standard, like high school relationship material. Which, again, in high school, which is when I first got into them, it, it did mean a lot. Like, I remember being lovelorn over a girlfriend, and we broke up multiple times, and I listened to this album a lot. Uh, sorry, not this album, the one before it. I listened to Newfound Glory a lot, is what I should say. And uh, it made me feel better, for sure. Like, I mean, it didn't matter that these dudes were, like, you know, 10 years older than me. I felt like they knew what was in my heart. So, 
I don't know. I, it's, it's very relatable. And I think I, it's hard for me sometimes to listen to them now because it seems kind of juvenile, but it's also kind of fun to go back and kind of relive being in high school a little bit. And I've been listening to a lot of new fun glory in the last few days. So thank you for that part. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you guys had talked about the, um, 10 year anniversary shows that people are doing. And I mean, this 10 year anniversary show happened obviously like five years ago now, <laughs> uh, which is insane. But, um, I went to that and just had a blast. And I mean, I was much older and couldn't relate to the lyrics as much, but you know, I just, it was great to be there and just knowing the words to every song and singing along. So, uh, that's, record will always have a special place with me so tell me more about the show uh what was that like M- musically did they sound pretty good were the vocals good was there good energy in the crowd oh for sure i mean it's uh i think that was maybe the last time i decided i was gonna go all out and just like mosh and <laughs> so <laughs> uh yeah it was i mean i had a lot of fun just uh crowd surfing getting really into it because i was just kind of like wow this is one of my favorite albums of all time i'm gonna be as involved as i can and so yeah that's uh another good thing about you know newfound glory seeing them live is the energy both from the band and from the crowd did it seem like it was a lot of people our age there that were kind of reliving the album or were there did you notice some younger people who maybe were checking them out for the first time or sort of new to them there's definitely a, a big mix. I mean, there are um, plenty of people my age, but then, you know, New Found Glory, they just, they put out an album every few years. And so they've got a really strong following still, um, but yet new fans, I think, keep stumbling onto them. And so they've definitely got a very wide mix of uh, fans, which you don't always see in this genre. No, for sure. Uh, one thing that is maybe worth mentioning, for that tour at least, uh, up until 2014, they had two guitar players in the band, Chad Gilbert and Steve Klein. They kicked out Steve Klein due to some legal uh, issues that he was having in 2014. And I mention it because Newfound Glory to me was one of those the first bands that I was into that was a five-piece. I feel like a lot of the bands that I listened to earlier had um, three or four members. So like other pop-punk bands like Blink-182 and uh, Green Day, only one guitar so the sound was always a lot thinner, whereas something I always liked about Newfound Glory is they had two guitars, so you'd have little riffs and stuff playing while there was a strong rhythm uh, in the background, too. But since 2014, Newfound Glory has continued on as a four-piece, so they only have one guitar player live. And I don't know if you think there's been a difference. I know you've seen them since then. Um, to me, there would be a difference, probably, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I'm like musically trained or in tune enough to really notice any sort of difference. Um, I was reading about that too. And they said they don't use any sort of like backing for, uh, the second guitar, which is kind of strange to me, but, um, unlike alkaline trio, <laughs> which is actually like the, uh, the al- alkaline, what is the word for that? Would that be quartet? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The alkaline quartet just doesn't run off the tongue as easily. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I- I'm talking about the fact that they keep a person, I guess, in the back of stage who's playing guitar along, along with to give it a more full sound but they don't put him on stage so it still looks like it's the alkaline trio anyway yeah poor guy <laughs> <laughs> hey john have you seen them live before Yvonne glory uh yes um i forget the year but i saw him at uh at warp tour one year right outside the metrodome in the metrodome parking lot Ooh, good time 
really good time. Yeah, that, I saw a lot of good shows that day. Um, yeah, that must have been what two thousand five or no, two thousand three, two thousand five, somewhere around, somewhere in that vicinity. So they would have been playing songs from this album at least, probably. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yep. Oh, very cool. When did when did Catalyst come out? Because Catalyst was the one right after this. When did that one come out? Two thousand five, I think. This is- no, I think that was only four. a year or two later. Um, okay. let's check the page. Two thousand four. Two thousand four. So maybe it's maybe it's right after that one. So they would have been playing surely songs songs from this and then and Catalyst. But yeah, really great live uh, live show. So if anybody gets a chance to see them live, they definitely should. They're not coming to Minneapolis on this tour that they're on right now. Unfortunately, I'm not sure why, but uh, they're doing. There, yeah, I was. It's their 20 year anniversary. Speaking of getting really old, but, <laughs> that's crazy. But they're playing like three shows, three nights in a row in places that they stop, and it's you know they're doing their first two albums the first night, then the second two albums, which would be Sticks and Stones, Catalyst, the second night, and then their fifth and sixth albums the next night. So it's kind of crazy. Oh man, I'm sad I'm missing out on this. Can we tweet them the show once we post it? Maybe they'll change their mind. They might. Maybe at least they'll come play one of our houses or something. You never know. (laughs) We won't be home, though. And they are going to be releasing a new album. So as Bart said, they keep recording new music, and this one comes out on April 28th. So everybody check that out. Stream it. Download it. Buy it. Go to Best Buy and buy it. (laughs) And maybe (laughs) there will be... a band can... Go to FYE. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Or Sam Goody. Oh, sorry. They're still gone. FYE is still around, though. Are you serious? Yeah, I think so. They are I've online. I've never heard of FYE. Really? Yeah, I don't, I don't think. They're more East Coast, I think. I don't know how many of them are there, but... Are they around here? Probably not. No. So one thing we didn't mention... Uh, well, I don't, maybe it makes sense to talk about it now, I suppose, before the, the songs, is the production. I think John and I have made a habit of talking about that on pretty much every album, and... Um, I would say it's not my favorite album in terms of sound. Uh, it probably depends on the song. Produced by Neil Avron who has done a bunch of pop punk, right, John? I was going to say, I was going down the list of uh, all the songs or all the albums he's worked on. He's worked with um, Newfound Glory, Fall Out Boy, Weezer, Linkin Park, uh, Yellow Card, Anne Berlin, The Used, Say Anything. I thought I, I thought I read somewhere he was actually one of the like 67 producers that worked on The Reason by Wistick. <laughs> Is that... <laughs> one of these times we're going to get one that actually has worked on the reason and it's going to be awesome <laughs> no uh, i think i think you're right it, that's the one band that he did not work with looks like <laughs> I, I i don't know if it's just the lead singer jordan's voice or, or whatnot but again it, it feels a little thin to me so i wouldn't say this is my favorite album sound wise but i think the songs overall transcend that i don't know if you guys have any thoughts on the production but uh, i guess my one uh i would say my one thought on his voice that maybe I don't know if it's directly ruling to the producing, but I think uh, he changed up his voice a lot before the Coming Home album. Oh, sure. And I think he actually ended up taking vocal vocal lessons and everything. And it's a lot. Uh, it's not as nasally in that album forward. That would be one so, knock on Newfound Glory, I think, and Jordan in particular, is he does have a pretty whiny voice. <laughs> yeah. So I guess yeah. If any of the listeners check out Sticks and Stones and they don't really like his voice i would say give that other album a try and maybe that might might get you into new fun glory but yeah but i do think their songs are a cut above a lot of pop punk like 
overall, it's an album of 12 songs. And to me, there aren't a lot of clunkers. It's pretty solid. There are a lot of really great songs in this album, the one previous, and Coming Home, the one you mentioned as well. So I don't know if, Bart, you had any thoughts about the overall sound of the album before we dig into our picks, but that's kind of where I'm coming from. Uh, sure, I can try it quickly. I think, um, you know, I, I think it works for me. Um, the album you mentioned, Self-Titled, which came before this, um, I really enjoyed that album as well. But for some reason, it I think it just lacked like um, a little bit of the FYE. Or... <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, like I've found so many times that the album I most connect with for a band is the album I heard first. I don't, does that happen for you guys too? Definitely. I, uh, I'd say more often than not, but there are certainly exceptions. There are exceptions. I agree. But I, when I think back of my favorite albums of bands, I would say 75% of the time, it's that first album I heard. It just made an impression on me and I get really emotionally attached to it. And then I might like other things, but it doesn't ever quite reach the heights of that one album. So maybe that's part of it here, or maybe part is smarter than I am. And this album is just better. I don't know. <laughs> I think we're both right, but, but no, I would say I, it's just, uh, it, I think sticks and stones to me sounds a little bit like harder or the guitars are, um, more crisp or something. I, I mean, I don't really know how to describe it, but, uh, that could be related to the production on this one. We should make your uh, brother famous musician, Chris Bartels. We should make him listen to those two albums and give us his musician slash producer opinion on them. I do think you're right. Actually, the production on this one is better than on the self-titled record, um, which I think has great songs on it, but the sound is not as good as this one, which does actually have some good oomph where it needs it. Like uh, the opening track understatement has a, a that's good, you know, kind of hits you in the balls to get things started. Um, but still overall a little thin, but you know what, for pop punk, I'll take it. So maybe that's a good point to jump into our favorite tracks. Uh, if you've listened to David Bartels, which I know you have, we've decided that we can choose, uh, half of the songs in an album or less as our favorites. So that is the rule. Um, so feel free to follow it or not. It's kind of up to you, but maybe it makes sense to start with you and give us your favorite picks. All right. Well, yeah, I am highly aware of your rule and, um, chose to follow it, uh, simply because I actually had trouble choosing between, uh, a couple songs. So I just ended up going with five. Um, and I'll just jump right into it. Uh, number one for me in no particular order, other than chronologically on the album okay. is, um, understatement, which is the first track. As you mentioned, it really hits you in the balls. And, um, I think for me, this one, just like, I remember putting it in my blue Sony disc man and spinning it and just kind of being taken aback, like, Whoa, what, what am I hearing right now? Because, um, I mean, it was just different from what I'd heard before. And I think it was a lot had to do with the speed and the energy of the, the music and, you know, just blazing guitars in a sense. And I mean, lyrically, the song is, I guess, kind of about like, uh, relationship uh surprise Shocking. surprise <laughs> <laughs> and um but yeah i think i just i just uh am a fan of more so than anything the energy on the song not to overuse that word you found uh, is good at uh writing and releasing songs that open albums <laughs> uh, john and i've talked about openers on every album we've talked about and this is another one of those good ones i think um in my opinion 
Such a good tone for the record. Yes, definitely. For sure. Number two, I think, is an obvious choice, My Friends Over You, which was the lead single off the album. And um, definitely one of their biggest songs to date. Uh, it's just got kind of that, um, you know, opens up with kind of that bouncing guitar that, uh, you know, you want to bob your head to or if you're at the show, jump up and down. And uh, leads into kind of this big sing-along chorus that uh, was definitely stuck in my head for quite some time. subject matter you know this kind of this guy's kind of wrestling with um sounds like he's in a relationship that's maybe not so good for him and he decides in the end to pick his friends over the girl and i think i could you know in a sense relate back in high school because um i, I would say i wasn't necessarily the um I was I was pretty awkward, but I also felt like um, oh, we're going to have to go back and edit this. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't know if we have to because it kind of proves the point about awkwardness. Uh, yeah, but continue. <laughs> uh, but no, I was going to say um, it, when it came to choosing my friends over you, I was always choosing my friends because there was no you. That was the point I was trying to make. Ah, so. I see. Yeah. <laughs> it's the mythical you. It's the... If if there was a you, I would still choose my friends over you. Exactly. I got gotcha. you. Um, so then I'll move on to uh, my next favorite would be something I'll, I call personality, which is track four. Um, another really, uh, you know, driving fast. Probably the, I think it's the fastest song on the album. Um, starts off with. You know, just some guitar, and then they yell, "You let's go!" Uh, kind of a typical like pop punk thing to do. Yeah, totally. But, what was that? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> it's uncanny. It's uncanny. It sounds. You must have held the album up to the microphone playing. They recruited me to help out with that because. Let's go. But no, I do a drop and just start off all the podcasts with that. Oh, so bad. Let's go. <laughs> but yeah, this is just, um, you know, again, the singer, writer, whatever you, it may be is, um, you know, kind of 
in a sense, talking to uh, someone he's obviously had some issues with. He's talking about uh, trying to present personality to this this other subject of the song. And he says, uh, before you jump to conclusions about all the friends I have, just remember they were born that way, uh, which I kind of like to think of that as a little... Um, reference back to my friends over you, just kind of the idea of, um, you know, say the girlfriend doesn't like his friends, but he's been with the friends for longer. And so it's kind of that conflict. And in this case, he's choosing the friends. Um, so yeah, just another really fun song. Then they move into song number five, which is my fourth pick, uh, Head On Collision. This was the second song from the or the second single from the album, I should say. And they slowed it down a little bit for this one. Um, And yeah, I mean, I I would say they branch out a little bit musically in this one and that it's not just kind of like your typical up tempo um, pop punk song. Especially the bridge on this one is great. Um, You were gone all this time. You just didn't know it yet. A classic bridge if we are talking about pop punk albums. But um, yeah, I think this lyrically, it kind of is describing when maybe he and his girlfriend have just had a fight or something and he's kind of seen this new side of her. Um, sounds like it might've been amongst some other people and he's seen this new side of this girl and he's kind of rethinking like, whoa, how do we, how do we go on from here? Uh, which is where the, the phrase all time low comes in at the <laughs> chorus. So <laughs> you might <laughs> say that they gr- had a, a head on collision. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just an, another really good chorus here. And um, a worthy second single, in my opinion. And then last, I will jump all the way to the end of the album. Uh, The track is The Story So Far. And this is another slower track. uh, And a little bit more of, I think, a love song, whereas most of the other songs tend to be revolving around struggles or breakups in a relationship. And this talks about um, maybe more of a chance meeting or something. He says, um, I can't remember the time or place or what you were wearing. It's unclear about how we met. All I know, it was the best conversation I ever had. I can't remember the time or place or what you were wearing. 
and so he's just looking back on meeting this person and, you know, kind of how things, it looks like kind of how things have changed since then. So, um, maybe they were still, uh, in a relationship at the time, but I, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of a, a really well done song. Um, and yeah, it just has all the elements, uh, that make for a good album closer. I think it really, really wraps things up nicely. I, I agree. And it's got almost a tinge of melancholy to it, which I like. I feel like a lot of times pop punk songs are either really hyper and really fast or really slow and sad. And this one is, it kind of, it's not fast for sure, but it, it kind of bridges the gap between the two and there's still energy to the song, but it's, it's a melancholy energy and it. Yeah. There's just a little bit of sadness in there that I like a lot. And it, it opens with a couple, uh, bass notes and drum hits. And apparently the, the members of the band switched and the drummer played the bass and the bass player played the drums for the beginning part of the song, which I think is kind of interesting. Little trivia Very good for to you. know. <laughs> now I would, and I would not include in, um, my favorites. So this, the story so far, the last track, there's actually like this hidden track, which is technically the same track on the CD. If you remember how they did that. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's just really dumb them making like weird voices and stuff if you wait like five minutes. So um, if, if we have younger listeners uh, who do, are not aware of this, this was definitely a trend that bands would do on CDs. They put hidden tracks either before the CD started, you could go to negative time, uh, Less Than Jake did that on uh, Losing Streak, the album. Um, and then bands would include hidden tracks at the end that weren't listed, but maybe were an additional track number or the last track was really long. And then they put something at the very end. Nirvana did that. Uh, Green Day did it on Dookie with the song All By Myself. <laughs> and Newfound Glory did it with what they call in Wikipedia the Toothpick song. And it's probably as dumb as it sounds. <laughs> I assume. <laughs> Those hidden tracks would always get me. I'd be listening to, uh, to an album in my room on my, <laughs> my three disc changer stereo. And- uh, I'd get, yeah, I'd be I'd be doing something else, but just have an album on the background. Then were your pants up? Silence. Then? Let's be honest. Were your pants up? Yes, okay. yes, they were. Yes, they were. All right. But uh, I know what you mean, John. I would I would even like fall asleep, and then suddenly like the song's especially playing. And I feel like that's one of those things I've seen Twitter threads get started where you're supposed to post something that would identify you of a specific generation, and that's something from a, a younger generation would not understand. This is one of those things. Falling asleep with an album on and then being startled awake by some hidden track that played. I don't know if that happens anymore. Because if you look at the if you look at the album on Spotify, it's only yep. it only shows us four minutes, nine seconds, so they don't have that, that part. Yeah. Oh, how could they how could they deprive the listeners of the hidden song? I know. So There's to go up to Best Buy and buy it wherever. <laughs> find uh, find a physical copy somewhere. Which I just sold. That's was part of the the cache of CDs that I sold. So I can't help you. So here's a question for you guys. Yeah. Uh, when you the the copies that you guys had were was it the the single disc edition or was it the the bonus edition with the the full bonus disc? I had single. I had single as well. I thought you were going to ask if it had you know instead of like the full plastic, it had like a sleeve on the front, and you would just pull the booklet out of it front sleeve oh yeah digipack as they call those and that is what that's how this album was sold i believe i don't think it came in a plastic case to my knowledge i think it was yeah the no, cardboard. You're, you're, you're correct so john do you have uh picks for us 
I do. I do. I do. Um, my top five would be uh, My Friends Over You, which Bart uh, Bart touched on. Uh, I think the only thing I would really add, I mean, he talked about the, that, uh, the cool guitar intro. And I think whenever I, whenever Newfound Glory comes to mind, that's the, I hear that guitar riff in my head or riff in my head. I think that's there. Yeah. It's been stuck in my head for, for 15 years now. But, uh, yeah, really good song. Um, one I don't believe is on your list, Bart, was something I call personality. I did. That have was that number one. three. It is track four. What do you say about number three? That was number three on Bart's list. I oh. believe. Right, Bart? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's embarrassing. Whew, somebody's not John, paying attention. John, this is something we call listening. <laughs> There it is. Zing. Oh, but yeah. Okay. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, a very good song. Uh, Head on Collision. So th- I bring up the bonus disc because Head on Collision, I love the uh, the full band, uh, like pop punk version of it. But it came, uh, the song came with a bonus disc that had an acoustic version of Head on Collision, and then it had a bonus song. And then it had a bunch of other songs, like a sort of a sampling of other um, other bands. So let me get a list. I've got a list of the, some of the tracks on here. So Further Seems Forever, uh, The Exit, The Starting Line, Don't Look Down. So talking about this album being a gateway to other bands, um, it's funny because this bonus disc actually helped me sort of branch out because it had... Pride War by Further Seems Forever got me into them. It had Best of Me by Starting Line, which is uh, one of my favorite bands, one of my favorite albums. Was this what got you so, in the Starting Line? Uh, it really was, yeah. Wow, yeah. that's cool. So kind of a kind of a neat connection there, a neat uh, little, um, yeah, just kind of carrying on from one band to the other, one album from uh, one album to the other. So. Um, yeah, really glad I picked up that the bonus uh, the bonus disc, disc version. Well, they have some value after all. They do, they do. Uh, that's the one exception to the uh, yeah. to the general podcast rule we have. Um. Anyway, so four number four would be forget my name. Uh, and I think this one. So the the album overall. If I want to talk to talk about that again. Um. I really think that Newfound Glory is one of the better, um, one of the better bands as far as just pure musical talent, at least consider or compared with other pop punk bands. I don't know if you guys would would agree. I think um, the drums, especially on this album, I think really um, really help drive the. Um, drive the energy and he does he does a lot of cool things where um it's just a, some a lot of neat little transitions uh, a lot of good musical moments um breakdowns from one part of the song to the other so uh, i think this song especially has a lot of those um so that's why i like it and well,
another one that Bart had was the story so far, which is one of the sort of slower songs, and and we all know my affinity for those. So that'd be my that'd <laughs> be my right. top five. Good choices, all of them. What about and, you, Eric? Well, the sad part is I feel like you guys have basically named almost all of them. Uh, there's one, I believe, that has not been mentioned yet, but otherwise they've all been covered, which is okay. I'm okay with that. It means we all have good taste. So my number one, well, no, I shouldn't say that in no particular order, just to cover my ass. Understatement, uh, the opener, we've talked about it a lot, but it's just from the very beginning, the opening riff with the drums, uh, it's just rocking. Rocks you, rocks your face off kicks you in the balls, whatever metaphor you prefer. It's uh, a great start to the album. Got a good uh, chorus, got a nice drum beat to it, just kind of just makes you want to go drive really fast or something, which is what every album opener should do, I think, in my opinion. Well, in this type of genre, especially. So understatement, My Friends Over You, number two, can't not pick it. It is a fantastic song. So catchy. Um, it's it definitely deserves to have been their biggest song for sure, I think. Uh, so that's number two. Sunny, a song that neither of you picked, but Bart referred to. It is uh, the serious song on the album. As you mentioned earlier, Bart, it is about uh, somebody passing away. And I think it's, it's uh, you know, a bit maudlin, but it's done well. Like it, it, to me, doesn't seem too cheesy at all. Like I think we can relate as we get older to losing people that we love. And I think that the song is really well done. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on it, but. I really that like that one was a close uh, honorable mention for me. That was, that was I was debating between, yeah, I, I almost put that in my top five. So definitely a good pick. Well, the perspective of the song is interesting too because it's not actually directly somebody that the the singer has lost. It's about a friend who has lost somebody. I think because the lyrics are, "I'm sorry, I heard about the bad news today. A crowd of people around you telling you it's okay and everything happens for a reason." Which I know we've all heard before. That's one way that that people, maybe especially in the Midwest, deal with loss is the whole "everything happens for a reason" thing. And uh, yeah, so this this is the narrator comfort narrator comforting comforting can't talk somebody who has lost somebody very close to them so good choice yeah thank you uh, forget my name, which was on John's list. I've always loved this song from the first time I heard the album. Uh, just love the energy again. I love the melody. As John said, there are multiple musical moments. I think throughout the song, just little things that Jordan does with his voice and kind of, you know, tweaks the melody a little bit. And there's kind of a little bridge where it kind of slows down and then it gets back in and going again. So I really like that. And then finally, my last pick is the story so far, which we've all picked. I believe a great closer to the album. It's got that just kind of plotting, drum-driven beat thing. It starts it out. Just a great way to end the album. Catchy, not too fast. Just a nice way to end. So those are my picks. And I do have an honorable mention, if that's allowed. I know that neither of Go you Go for did. it. But I have to pick Singled Out because of Chad Gilbert's awesome screaming in the background. <laughs> <laughs> you had mentioned, Bart, that... Uh, this album is a little more hardcore than some of the other ones. And Chad Gilbert is actually the singer in a hardcore band that's really, really well known called Shai Hulud. I don't know if that's how I you say it. I think they're playing Excel next Sunday. Whatever it was. Oh, wow. No. <laughs> oh, seriously? 
<laughs> I mean, they, I think they're still together. Uh, but I know Chad Gilbert is not in the band anymore. But he was the singer for about three years, and it comes out in this album. He can scream really well uh, on "Singled Out," so that's that's my honorable mention. So, Bart, do you have any least favorite songs? I do. Um, You know, as much as I love the album, I do think there's a little bit of filler at the back half of the album. Probably probably could have been cut down to like 10, I think is a decent length. Um, And, you know, I I don't know. I think I ended up just landing on one that really just doesn't do it for me, uh, which would be belated. That is... (laughs) That's the 11th song. Um, I I mean, there's just nothing that really stands out. I think the chorus is just like a dud to me. Um, Lyrically, he says, let let go of my hand. Is it time to go? Which, I mean, I'm not saying there's anything like profound in um, the other songs, but, you know, come on, Jordan, do a little better than that. Uh, so, so I'll go with belated as my, uh, least favorite. Well, to be fair, Jordan, the whole band actually writes lyrics or, or multiple members in the band do. I'm not sure who wrote the lyrics on this song. I don't think they credit them specifically, but it may not have been him. It might've been Chad or Steve Klein actually, who got we'll kicked out of the band. We'll just, yeah, we'll just Steve. pretend it was him. Uh, yeah. Maybe they kicked him out because <laughs> of this song. It just took him a couple of years. It's to very do possible. It. Like 14. <laughs> 13 what about you john well, do you have any least favorites to, to be, pick to be honest yeah uh ah. no it was a really good point i think the the middle of the album i think is the strongest close second would be the first the first three songs and then um you know obviously the story so far we we all had that on our on our favorites list but um yeah belated could easily be removed and it'd be um a fantastic album still yeah, I'm totally with you guys. Totally my pick. I don't know how Neil Avron agreed to put this one on the album. I blame the producer because they're, it's their job to be a third party, an objective listener, and they've got to draw the line somewhere. And the draw, the line should have been drawn ahead of belated and should have said, take this crap off the album. Don't put it on because <laughs> it's a terrible song. <laughs> it just doesn't stand up to the rest of the songs, in my opinion. So. That's that's my thought on that. Hard to argue with um, three people finding the same worst song. Yeah, I like that. I think, yeah, I, I would add maybe one other, it's maybe kind of dumb, but another point to this least favorite song. The intro to Singled Out, I think, is ridiculous. It's this weird <laughs> keyboard thing. <laughs> this riff that just, I I don't, it's like a, the, one of the guys in the band had their four-year-old child play something on a keyboard i'm like ah that's gonna be the intro to singled out
And the rest of the song I like just fine. I just think it's the intro weird is terrible. 80s so. sound like a synthesizer sort of thing. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it fits there. Well. I don't know. No, I, I agree. And then all of a sudden the song comes and just hits you out of nowhere. So I, I don't know. I think it's kind of strange. But otherwise, I think the album is fantastic. I, I don't think there are a lot of other other things I would have cut. But the intro to Singled Out and Belated entirely, we could pretend it doesn't exist, I would say. So I think we're getting close to wrapping up here, guys. But does anyone have any final thoughts on the album? Any thoughts on Newfound Glory in general? Recommendations of other things that people should check out? Um, <laughs> well, don't everybody talk at once. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and recommend the rest of their catalog. I, I, uh, I'm kind of a sucker for Newfound Glory, but I think if you like this album, you'll find things enjoyable in all their others. Um, like I mentioned, John mentioned as well, coming home, they kind of, his voice improves. Um, they bring in a lot of piano into that album. And then, um, later albums like Not Without a Fight and Resurrection, they, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of focus on the guitar, which I love. There's um, some hardcore elements and breakdowns and whatnot. And I think they develop a little bit lyrically as well. I mean, I would hope so now that they're like in their 30s as well. But, um, you know, they start to talk. I think there's one song on the latest album where he talks about his daughter and seeing like uh, the other guys that she's dating and kind of wanting wanting to encourage her to just, you know, save her heart or you know whatever but it's um i think there's some some cool development even though they kind of really maintain that newfound glory song so i think it's at least worth checking out for sure what about you john um i would just echo what i said before and what what bart just touched on um obviously this is a an awesome album that or the three of us think this is an awesome album and the band's awesome but uh if someone is listening to this for the first time and they're not a, a huge fan of his of his voice um or how not hardcore, but how really energetic and slightly hard this uh, this album is. I would say, yeah, go to Catalyst or or Coming Home, especially. Um, kind of really really mellows out, and um, his voice is, I think, a little a little more um, uh, radio friendly. Or the, yeah, I think the masses would like his voice in that album or on that album, uh, more so than, than sticks and stones. So, um, don't completely write them off if you're not, a if you, this one doesn't uh, grab you like it did for us. Agreed completely. They have a very extensive catalog. Uh, a few additional notes that I noticed on, on Wikipedia and something that I had wanted to, uh, uh, probably mention and i guess really we could just have people read the wikipedia entries for the for this show instead of listening to it right you could get through it a lot faster but uh mark hoppus of blink 182 played the bass on something i call personality which is kind of weird because it's probably the least distinctive instrument <laughs> so like wow boy i really recognize that mark hoppus <laughs> style bass play like i and then um dan adriano and matt skiba of the alkaline quartet i mean trio play or sorry sing backup vocals on forget my name which is kind of interesting i can't say i ever noticed they definitely forgot that fourth guy's name yeah okay there it is zing reminds me of just like so you know on rap songs for the longest time they've been featuring artists and whatnot um and i thought yeah you know if it's done well it, it really adds kind of a new a great dynamic to a song and i always wished that you know kind of this pop punk type genre would do more of that and they 
they did kind of finally catch on and start to do that a lot more. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it's just a nice way to kind of add a, a new flavor edge to an album. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think bands have started doing that more, and it'll include the you know the little note saying Kenny from Starting Line or whatever Mark Hoppins from Blink One Eighty Two. It definitely does happen more often than it, than it used to. So, yeah, cool. Well, any other thoughts, guys? No, sir. The final uh, note on the right. on the podcast, Bart. Would you recommend this? Or yeah, would you recommend this record to our listeners? I am gonna go ahead and uh, yeah, recommend this record. All right, I love this record as well, so I would recommend it. I love it also. Highly recommend it. Thank you, David Bartels, for joining us from your undisclosed location, uh, being a special guest. We will have to have you on again now that we've got the whole setup working. You'll have to think about another album to choose. Uh, and I really appreciate you, John, always being with me. Uh, to no talk problem, about Eric. Fun albums. Bart, it was a pleasure. It's been awesome. Thanks, guys.